John 6, 16 to 40 says this. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing, and when they had rowed out three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the, the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. And so when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which is the Son of Man, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your scripture. We thank you for uh, it preserving the testimony of your life. We thank you that you came to earth as a man and ministered in the way that you did, revealing to us the character of God. Revealing God himself. We pray as we look at this scripture today and um, are challenged by it, encouraged by it, we pray that you'd be honored and lifted high and exalted. We pray that we'd see who you are and that we'd love you for who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Well, uh, the day has arrived. It's, it's here. And it's very, very exciting. Um, before I tell you why and what day has come that you should be you should be aware of already if you're paying close enough attention should be paying close enough attention to this um i want to talk to you briefly about ice cream quality it's very important there are four designated levels of ice cream quality anybody that's close to me has known that i know about these qualities and levels of of food quality in ice cream there are four of them. First, there's the economy. Okay? You might, we might allow you to go ahead and buy economy if, like, it's going on top of a big apple pie that you made. Okay? If you got a bunch of apple pie you're going to serve and you need some ice cream to just dollop on top, economy's okay. It's okay to do it. That's like, that's like the option you should use the economy bucket of ice cream for. Economy actually has a particular requirement. It meets the required overrun rate given by uh, the FDA, and, or by someone. I don't think it's the FDA. It's someone else. Federal. There's a federal overrun rate to actually qualify as ice cream. So it, it meets the requirement of overrun and generally sells for a lower price than regular ice cream. So you might be wondering the first definition here, overrun. Overrun refers to the amount of aeration that is in the ice cream that it undergoes during its manufacture that keeps the mixture from becoming an inedible frozen mass. Overrun is governed by federal standard, and uh, in the finished product, it must not weigh less than 4.5 gallon or 4.5 pounds per gallon. So, if your ice cream is, if its weight is, uh, if it is less than 4.5 pounds per gallon of ice cream, you're actually missing the overrun rate that's federally standardized to determine that this is actually ice cream. It has become economy-grade ice cream at that level. Um, regular ice cream meets the overrun required for federal ice cream standard um, and isn't sold at a lower price, as, sold at sort of a standard market price. Most likely they use a little bit better ingredients, maybe a little bit better branding in that. Um, premium ice cream is really the ice cream you ought to be buying on the regular basis. Premium ice cream tends to have a low overrun and a higher fat content than regular ice cream, and the manufacturer uses a higher quality of ingredients. So generally, if you're an ice cream connoisseur and you're just getting the run of the day, you know, run the mill ice cream, you should, start, you should really start at premium. If you're going to go crazy, then you should be eating the super premium. Some special occasions, maybe Ben & Jerry's is BOGO at Publix, okay? Super premium is like your Ben & Jerry's. Super premium tends to have a very low overrun rate and uses the best quality ingredients. Okay, so now you know a little bit about ice cream standards, ice cream qualities. This is a very, very dear subject to my heart, and, and it should be to yours as well. Um, if you're going to get a premium ice cream, I mean, I should be getting commission off of this, really. Um, you should go to Publix and get their premium ice cream. They sell a fabulous premium ice cream and a variety of wonderful flavors. And you should go, and you should get that. And, and you'll enjoy it, and you'll thank me uh, for choosing Publix premium ice cream for your, for your standard ice cream choice. Now, occasionally Publix does something awesome, and uh, they bring out a limited edition 
ice cream. And John might know where I'm going with this at this point. Um, yes, yes. It, it has arrived, people. The day has arrived. Uh, chocolate cookie quarry is now available at Publix yeah, for a limited time. For, for this beautiful summer months, you can go to your Publix and buy premium chocolate cookie quarry ice cream. I can't believe no one's like hooping and hollering about this. John is on the inside. He's just holding it in. He can barely contain himself. <laughs> oh, no, he's depressed. Oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, why, why do I love uh, chocolate cookie quarry? Is it because, it's, right, because it's, it's, it's premium? Um, beca- is it because the workers that mix it up? Do I love it because of them? No, I, I'm not. I mean, they did do that, and I'm grateful that they did that, but that's not, that's not why I love it. Is it because of the trucks that brought it to us? I could care less what truck it came to me on. To be honest, I, I don't care what truck that cookie quarry comes to me on as long as it comes. Um, is it because the purchase of chocolate cookie quarry brings revenue to a company that you know, I, I you know, support and, and like, you know, and they can pay some employees and, and hire people? Is it because of that? No, it's not because of that. Is it because of the impact it has on my future health? Definitely not. Definitely not that. <laughs> we love this ice cream and other ice creams, uh, granted. We love it for it. We love it because it's a rich chocolate ice cream that has chocolate cookies with cream and a decadent chocolate cookie swirl. That's why we love it. <laughs> because of what it is. And I'm sorry to all the detoxers in the room. Um, <laughs> but... We love this ice cream for what it is. Not, not how it got here, not what it's going to do to me, but because it's delicious. And that's what it is. What's in it. I promise you that this does relate to what we're talking about today. Um, today we're talking about Jesus. <laughs> and what we're talking about Jesus is this, that why do we love him? Why do we love him? Do we love him because of the benefits he brings to us? Do we love him because um, of how he came? Uh, do we love him because of how we maybe read of him in, in, this, uh, in this book? No, we love him because of who he is. We love him f- for him. Because of his, his nature and, and who he is. And, and I think that's what we see in our passage today. Um, the, the passage starts out, this is just after Jesus has fed the 5,000 men and, you know, presumably their children and wives. Um, and he's fed them with just, you know, five loaves and, and a couple of fish and, and came, came back with leftovers, 12 basketfuls of leftovers. And after that happened, Jesus retreats because they're about to make him into a king. They're about to, by force, make Jesus into a king. And that's not what he wants. That's not what he wants for their hearts. That's not what he wants them to understand about himself. He has much more to reveal to them. And so he retreats to a mountain and uh, goes in prayer. And um, apparently he and the disciples had discussed, I guess, that they were going to go over to Capernaum across the lake because uh, in our passage, what we see is that his disciples are down by the sea and Jesus is still not back from his mountain retreat. And they're like, well, I guess we've got to go to Capernaum without him. Maybe he, maybe he went another way. I mean, I don't know what they're thinking at that point. I think 
The lake was technically small enough that he could have like set out on a hike around the lake to get to where they were going to go, but that wouldn't be like the preferred method. So they, my, my best guess is that they assumed, oh, Jesus must have hiked around and, uh, and we'll, we'll just meet him over there in Capernaum. So they sort of, they start setting out here. Uh, they get in a boat, they set out, and uh, the Sea of Galilee, being the, the geography of, of, that it is, it can tend to get a strong wind that, that stirs it up and makes it very rough. And so um, that was happening at this time, and it's dark, and this strong wind comes, and it's blowing the sea so that it becomes very rough. And as it's blowing, and they're out in the middle of this sea, they see Jesus. They see him there. And, you know, the, the, John records that they see Jesus. And when they saw Jesus, uh, they really just saw a figure on the sea. They saw someone, uh, something on the sea. And we know that they didn't know it was Jesus yet because it says they were frightened. They didn't know really what they saw. What they saw was Jesus, but they, they weren't sure of that until he says this in verse 20. He says, it is I. Do not be afraid. Then they were glad. And they took him in the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. Uh, the next day, what we see is the, the crowd has sort of apparently been sort of watching this scenario play out. They, they have seen that the disciples have left in a boat. They, they've seen somehow that Jesus did not rendezvous with them. Uh, and they realize now here in verses 22 to 24 that the boats have left and Jesus is no longer here. And they're wondering where he has gone. So just after they had received this amazing miracle of, of having this, uh, this food provided to them in a very miraculous way out of just a few loaves of bread and a couple of fish with all these leftovers come, come forward. They were just about to make Jesus king before, they, uh, walk, before he walks out of their grasp into the mountains. And they're like, where did he go? We want to follow this man that is able to provide miraculous bread from heaven. And so they go seeking him. In verse 24, it says that the crowd saw Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, and they themselves got into boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. The first question I want to deal with is why? Why did the crowd come after Jesus? The crowd goes and seeks Jesus, and, and when they finally find them, we, we read later on in chapter 6 that, they're, uh, that he is uh, at the synagogue speaking to, uh, to the people in the synagogue, and that's, that's likely where they found him. Um, they say to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? <laughs> how, how did you get here? Jesus says, doesn't really answer the question, which is sort of his style. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, 
For on him God the Father has set his seal. Why did the crowd come after Jesus? They wanted more. They, they wanted more of what he was giving out. They wanted more uh, bread, almost particularly. It, it's possible that, that they were actually seeking a continuation of bread provided miraculously from heaven, similar to the way Moses, uh, and well, through the way God the Father provided manna to the people in the wilderness. It, it's possible that that's what they were associating with Jesus. That, that Jesus would continue to bring them bread and they were willing to get into boats and follow after him and go seek this man who has brought this bread to them. And so that's what they did. And, and Jesus says to them, you're not seeking me because you saw signs, but because you had your fill of the loaves. Do not labor for the food that perishes, he says for that that endures to eternal life. They were willing to, after they saw Jesus was physically not there anymore, drop everything they were doing, jump into boats, uh, all as a crowd. And I don't know if it's like the whole crowd, because that's a lot of people. Um, you know, they're talking about 7,500 or 10,000 people getting into boats and going across the sea or walking around it or what have, all these things, definitely getting into boats, potentially some going around the sea. Yeah. It's a massive movement of people, regardless. He says, don't go to all this trouble for food that just perishes. The food that he provided them, what happened to the leftovers? They may not have even gotten eaten. This food is, is food. It perishes. And Jesus says, don't go to the work of seeking food that's going to perish. Don't worry about Manna, even, if it's fallen from heaven, it will perish. In the story of the Israelites, it perished every night. He said, don't worry about food that passes away. Worry about the food that endures to eternal life. They were seeking that which was temporal, that which would, wouldn't last. Jesus said, you came because you wanted to have more bread. Seek that which does not perish. Work for that, presumably, which does not perish. And so the response to him is, is this, and it's a good question. So if we're not to work for the bread that perishes, that is any bread on earth, then what, you know, what work do we do to earn the bread that endures eternally? Verse 28, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. The work of God is to believe in the one that God has sent. Believe in him whom God has sent. Obviously not satisfied with that, they ask a quick follow-up. And what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? They say, it seems like you are saying that you are the one that we are to believe in. So if that's the case, then give us a sign. 
show us who you are. What sign do you do that we may believe you? What work do you perform? They say, our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Said, Moses provided us a sign. That sign was that he provided food from heaven. Jesus says, don't attribute this to Moses. He says, God is the one who gives you the true bread from heaven. It, it wasn't even Moses that gave you the original bread. It was God who gave it to you through Moses as a servant. And uh, my Father in heaven is the one who gives you the true bread from heaven. He said, the bread from God, uh, the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. The bread is not bread, he's telling them. That which satisfies is not something that perishes. That which satisfies is someone. Still not totally understanding, they say, Sir, give us this bread always. In Jesus' response, uh, we, we stop right here for this week, but uh, his response is not well received by the Jewish leaders uh, in verses 41 and following, and very difficultly understood even by the disciples in verses 60 and following. Uh, but this is what he says when they say, Sir, give us this bread always. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. What is the work of God? To believe in Jesus. What sign, they ask, does God give? True bread from heaven. Amen. Give this bread to us, the crowd cries. Jesus says, I am the bread. 